Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Mental Sweet Spot podcast. Focus on what you do want to happen. I'm Melanie Rushing and I'll be joined shortly by my business partner Alicia Smith for another interview. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returner, thanks for joining us again. Today's guest has her master's degree in exercise and sports sciences with a concentration in sports psychology and uses her training to help her players use mental training every day. She is the pitching coach at Barry College, and the Vikings pitching staff has become one of the top squads in the nation under her guidance. The team has won four consecutive conference tournament titles and have advanced to the NCAA regional championships in each of the past four years. In that time, two of her players received All-America honors, three Conference Player of the Year honors, and three Conference Pitcher of the Year honors. She's had experience coaching at top-tier schools across multiple divisions and served as a sports psychology consultant while receiving her master's degree. She had a great career playing as well, playing multiple positions, receiving multiple Player of the Year honors, and becoming captain and leader. In this episode, we discuss how most players and coaches know about mental toughness but not how to teach and develop it, getting buy-in from the players by exposing them to different things and being passionate about what you're talking about, focusing on what you want to do and removing the words can't and don't from your team's vocabulary, using summer mental workouts to connect those mental skills to the physical drills they're working on, and her tip for coaches to help them reframe the language to what they want instead. For today's freebie, we've created a document to help your girls practice the art of reframing their thoughts. Start by identifying what they did wrong, then practice switching that language to focus on what they do want to happen. This episode is brought to you by our Mental Training Foundation. If you enjoy these tips and strategies and want to know how to teach and implement all of the fundamentals of the mental game, check out these online courses. They cover everything from motivation to confidence to focus and much more and will become the foundation of your player's mental toughness for years to come. And just like we talked about earlier, they implement these mental skills into the physical drills so they can apply them all the time. To check out more, head to mentalsweetspot.com forward slash foundation. Now, without further ado, we are so excited to share the stories and strategies of Barry College's assistant coach, Emily Stanley. Welcome, Emily. <laughs> Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. So one of the first things that we always like to ask our guests is how kind of what is your story on how you first, you know, learned about mental toughness? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I feel like as a player, it really wasn't talked about all that much. I don't know. And, and I was trying to think back kind of preparing for this about when I first learned about, you know, mental toughness and I feel like components of it may have been talked about, or you kind of always knew that you needed to be mentally strong, but really as a player, I don't, I don't think it was a concept that really came up all that much. And if, if it did come up, they said you needed it, but didn't really tell you how. <laughs> <laughs> or or what went into it or what exactly it was. So I don't think that I really came across that um, until I hit grad school. Um, and in grad school, I, I did my master's in sports psychology. So we talked about it quite a bit. Um, but I feel like it was a term that just really wasn't talked about all that much as a, as a player. They had the exact same experience, I get you. I know Alicia, unfortunately, didn't have it either. I didn't get until really junior year, but... What were some of the things that you really could have used? More like the tools. Like, if you're anything like me, they were like, you need to be more confident. Great. <laughs> I'd love to be. I don't know how. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, my biggest thing was probably uh, kind of that, like, inner dialogue. So learning how to talk to yourself, um, what situations you need to say what to yourself, 
uh, how to calm yourself down, how to psych yourself up. Uh, I, I think those general types of things could have been really helpful, even just the basics. Um, I think you can get in really depth <laughs> with that type of stuff, but um, even just the basics, I think, can make such a big difference for athletes. And I think that sometimes that's um, really lacking. And I think that's something that could have helped a lot. I think it was my, I think it was my junior year too that I took a sports psychology class. I think it was the summer going into my senior year. I took a sports psych class and that was kind of the moment where I was like, hmm, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really basic, but just kind of starting to think about how do you actually work on those things. Mm-hmm. I had a very similar experience, except for I was already 10 years into my coaching career when I took that first class. And that, <laughs> like we've talked about many times on, on these podcasts, that was my eye opener as a coach. So I was thankful for that opportunity, but it made a world of difference. Oh yeah, it really, it really does. Even, even just those little tiny things that you think of, and maybe you knew of it, but you just didn't think of it in that way, or somebody phrases it in a way that clicks for you that you're kind of like, oh wow, that's really interesting. Uh, so I think that everybody hopefully has has a moment like that, and you know, my goal is to try to help them have those moments early on. You know, you see. Oh, we work camps, we go recruiting, you know, I know you know all this, um, but you see so many kids at such a young age that have so much pressure. They think they have so much pressure um, and they just kind of crumble. And it's, you want to have that moment with them at that time, you know, at, at that early age. Absolutely. You talked a little bit about, you know, what you wish you had when you were a player, but what do you feel like you struggled with the most before you learned all of this? Um, you know, it's funny because you think back on it and at the time, I feel like you don't really know I'm struggling with my confidence. (laughs) Uh, you know, you can't really put that into words when you don't know that you're struggling with it, you know, Um, but I feel like one as a female and two being younger going through the process, I think confidence is really the biggest thing. Uh, I see it with my athletes now. I see it with our recruits. I see it at camp. Um, confidence just seems to be the biggest uh, term that uh, young athletes struggle with, I think. And I think that that was probably mine, too. And there's so many things that go into it. There's so many different things. Confidence, trust, just learning your breathing, uh, positivity, expectations, all those things kind of go into confidence and go into mental toughness. But when somebody starts breaking down those components and really teaching you how to to work on your confidence. What does that look like? What does that sound like? Um, how can you physically practice some of these mental skills, I think makes a really big difference. I love that. I think one of the things I've noticed is I ask former players what's going on and we notice the same thing. Confidence is always the number one thing, but it's not as though they're not being trained or they don't have the skills. It's to me more like they'd have the wrong perception of what confidence actually is. Does that kind of seem the same with the girls you've worked with? Yeah, for sure. And I think that sometimes you will talk to them about the confidence and they'll say, I know, I know, I need to work on my confidence. Um, so they're aware of it sometimes, but they have no idea how, or they think that they need to be positive 24 seven in order to be confident. Um, and it's, not always going to be realistic to have that. So they have the one week moment uh, and then it spirals. So they don't know how to handle that one moment. Um, 
So I think that really giving them the tools and showing them that, I mean, we try to do it at practice. Uh, we do it in like um, classroom sessions. We even give them like little mini homework assignments on, you know, things. We try to get them to do it in so many different um, venues that they really start learning how to work on those things. Uh, I think that makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. Could you give us a couple examples of maybe like a classroom activity and then maybe a drill or something specific that you do in practice to work on those skills? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we do, uh, we call them leadership councils. I know that a lot of people do them, um, but it's actually for our entire team. And it's more of like a sports psych meeting, I guess you could say. Um, but we like to use the word leadership as much as possible because I think that in order to be a leader, you have to um, in order to view yourself as a leader, you have to at least have some sort of confidence. I think that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, God, we've done all kinds of things in those meetings. I think that's one of one of the big things about sports psych in my mind is that it takes buy-in, right? In order for a sports psych to work, in order for them to buy into anything you're talking about, in order for it to help them, they have to buy in. And I think in order to get them to buy in, you have to try so many different types of things. One thing is going to click with somebody. Somebody really might like imagery, right? And they go home and they try it and it gets better for them and it really clicks for that kid. Um, But then another athlete might say, that's ridiculous. I'm never going to do that. Um, That's not going to help me. But when you show them a video about how to control their breathing, they're all in. Um, So I I think that it, it... takes doing so many different types of things. We've done activities about personality where they can just learn each other's personality and learn what their weaknesses are about, you know, their teammates. Um, We've done little things like uh, where we have them write out different things. So uh, one of the things I like to do is have them write out, all right, what are you trying to work on physically? what What are you trying to improve? So they write down all these different things. And then we go through them and we have them read them out loud. And once one kid says, well, I'm dropping my shoulder. So she's focusing on the negative aspect. So she didn't really say what she's trying to improve. Uh, Another kid says, well, my confidence is really bad. Okay. Well, that's not very specific, but we can work on that. Uh, And then, you know, they, they, you realize that they start saying all the things they actually don't want to do Mm. instead of saying what they do want to do. So then we go through all of them. And we rephrase it into, okay, so now if I'm focusing on not swinging at the rise ball, right, that's what a kid writes down. I don't want to swing at the rise ball. What do you want to do? Because if I don't swing at the rise ball, I could still swing at a changeup. I could still swing at this. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to do? So we, we kind of help them start rephrasing everything in a way that will be more productive for them in that moment. So instead of thinking rise ball, rise ball, rise ball, I'm going to think hands and down, let it get deep. I'm going to think, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to crush that screwball. I'm going to crush that curveball, whatever pitch they do want to go for, whatever zone they want to attack. That's what I want them focusing on instead. Um, so that's what we try to, that's like one of the activities that we do is, uh, really early on, try to figure out what they're thinking that they want to improve. And then as a team, we go through each one and we have them rephrase it in a way that's more helpful. I love that. I like going through with my girls, too, because a lot of times they have no idea that by you phrasing it this way and not really thinking about it, that's actually negative self-talk. Exactly. Love that. Yeah, we. I, I think that that's probably the biggest thing. So now this is my 
going to be my fifth year at Barry. Um, and that's probably the biggest thing um, that I've really tried to zone in since I got here on getting them to focus on what they do want instead of what they don't want um, and really trying to get the team on board. And, and it's funny now because you can kind of see it. So like a freshman gets on campus and says, uh, I don't want to, you know, strike out or I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that. And then you see the upper class and start kind of smiling. And they look at me and they're like, oh, Coach Dan's going to get on you. <laughs> you don't want to say it that way. Uh, so it's kind of cool to get the team to buy into that concept because then I'm the one that's saying it. I don't have to say it as much um, because they're starting to kind of self-patrol each other on that positive talk, which is important. I think that's funny because I, I don't allow the words don't or can't in my practice either. And the same exact experience happens when a freshman says, I can't do this. And you can just see there's like, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> oh yeah. That's great. Yeah. It is. It's, it's part of the culture. I think that, you know, it seems like you've really worked hard to develop there at, at Barry. And I think that's, that's pretty cool because we've, we've talked a lot about culture uh, as well on, on our podcast and how important that is to, to help that buy-in. So I think that's, that's pretty cool. Um, could you have an example of maybe like a senior since you've been there for um, four straight years now entering your fifth? Have you do you have an example of a senior that you've seen through for four years and maybe the improvement they've made from a freshman to a senior? Yeah, for sure. I, you know, as soon as you said, I had two, two of them really popped to my mind. Um, one, I actually didn't have her freshman year. I came in when she was a sophomore uh, and she was a pitcher and actually if you asked her she would have said I am not a pitcher um she played first she hit a lot for us she was one of our main power hitters um and I came in as a pitching coach and said hey you are gonna be an amazing pitcher she had all the tools um but people her whole life she said told her that she had the tools but it it never kind of came out um and to see her, and she, and I can't take credit for this, she worked really hard on her mental game on her own. Uh, she reached out and got help um, from different people, and she just bought in so much. And her senior year, to watch her kind of um, just explode into this amazing athlete was just awesome. She always had the tools. She worked really hard. She, she did it, um, and it was really, really cool to watch her. I mean, she had the best off-speed pitch I have ever seen um and she made people just look silly um and it was awesome to see her confidence and she just stood on that mound and her shoulders are back and um it was like a total change from my first year seeing her and uh so it was really exciting to see her buy in and actually before I decided to do this I reached out to her and kind of sent her some of the questions and was talking to her about some things and um and she was just saying that how much that mental game changed her physical game uh, was dramatic. Oh, so happy for her. <laughs> yeah, she really she really cool. did, she really did a great job. And you know, we I've seen kids go from even even if it's not from freshman year to senior year, it's from one year where they have a really tough year, and then the next year they bounce back. Um, we we've had kids that have had that same experience where um, we had another pitcher her junior year. She struggled a little bit with her mental game, and she came back this past year as a senior. And she had record-breaking year. Um, it, you know, it's just awesome to see them when they get to their senior year and they have the best year. You always want that, right? They, they mm -hmm. get to their senior year and want it to be the best year of their career. Um, and I think we've seen a couple of those recently that 
um, have really bought into that mental game and I'm going to go all out. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And that means the mental game too. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool to see that. That is really cool. I, I, I've had similar experiences too, with just watching my kids grow, which is, you know, at the end of the day, why we do this, right. Just to, to be given impact in, in any way, shape or form that we can to, to these kids and to watch them grow is, is my favorite part as well. But I think it's key that, um, people realize it's constant. This is something you constantly have to work on. It's not, it's not a quick fix or it's not something that you do once in practice and all of a sudden you're mentally tough, but it's, it's something that you constantly have to work on. Absolutely. One of the things that we started doing recently, um, is a summer mental workout. Um, so we put together this packet, everybody gives out their workouts for the summer, but, um, we started a mental workout so that they can really start working on those things over the summer. And I think that when you connect it to physical drills, um, we have like a uh, different sections and I have it here in front of me. Um, and it's like, uh, the first one says always be humble. And then it has four or five different drills on, okay, how do I be humble and thankful? The next one, be a student of the game, right? If I'm a student of the game and I'm working hard to learn every single day, I'm going to feel more prepared. I'm going to feel ready and I'm going to be confident even just working on that. Right. Mm-hmm. We have the reframing drills. Like we talked about before, there's all different kinds of focus imagery. Um, I think that giving them physical drills to work on those mental skills over the summer in the fall, like you said, it has to be a constant thing in order for it to actually sink in and really make a difference. Totally agree. Have you guys been doing the summer workouts before this year? Or is this the first summer you guys did it? This is the second summer that we did it. So we did it the summer before um, and we tweaked it a little bit this past summer and I wasn't quite sure exactly how it was going to go or if they'd look at it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that especially our incoming freshman class, so the, the kids that are going to be freshmen you know, this year, it's funny how many of them have reached out or the year before, how many of the incoming class have reached out and said, this is awesome because they so really cool. have seen it at all um, and they haven't gotten a good feel for the team yet um, so it kind of gives them an intro of team culture of what to expect um, of kind of that mental aspect right away which I think is pretty uh, interesting mm-hmm. what uh, was some of the feedback you got from the girls as far as which things seem to help the most yeah and it's funny because I feel like each one of them picks out something different mm. um, which is pretty cool I think that the the reframing stuff um, that I have in here, the freshmen always, it instantly they're like, uh, their mind is blown by <laughs> being able to say certain words and having to change it. And um, but our returners don't really aren't impacted by that section as much because they know that that's kind of the standard. Um, but I think the imagery for kids that can really buy in usually see upperclassmen. Um, are the ones that typically are a little bit better at imagery and visualization mm-hmm. just because uh, they've been exposed to it a little bit more and it can be a little bit more of a difficult skill to master, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a section in here that I, I call it psych down. So I think that a lot of the times when they get in those situations where their heart is racing and they're breathing really fast and they're super nervous, how do you bring your heart rate back down? How do you learn to control whether you think your thoughts control your breathing or your breathing controls your thoughts, how do you do that? How do you, how do you make that happen in that moment? Um, and I think a lot of them like that section a lot. Um, one of the things you mentioned 
um, was homework. So this obviously goes for along for homework for the summer, but you also give them homework during um, the season as well. Just like little challenges, and it'll okay. be it'll be something really basic. So I'll say, um, and you know, we call it our leadership council. So we I try to stay away from the term actually mental toughness because I think it's such a broad term that they get overwhelmed with what that means. Um, so we we try to do like leadership things. So in and confidence and trust. And so we break it down. And each time that we meet, we talk about a specific aspect of that mental toughness. Um, And then I'll have them go and try to do something. So whether that's getting to know a teammate, whether that's doing breathing exercises, whether that's uh, doing a pre-performance routine, videoing it and sending it to us, um, whether that is uh, finding a new book that they really like that they think could help, whether that's finding a quote that could stand out to them personally. Um, so I think that every time we do something a little bit different, but just to keep it on their mind, uh, nothing too stressful, but uh, something small that can keep them thinking about it. I like that. I uh, worked at a Hackdemic D3 too <laughs> before they said, you know, well, it's every level. It doesn't matter where you are. Mm-hmm. When they leave practice, they've got a bunch of other stuff to do too. Oh, yeah. You kind of have that, like, well, I want them to keep working on it, but you can't really overwhelm them. So I like these, like, quick activities. They're fun. They're really interesting to them. But they help carry that through past your maybe two hours of actual work that you get in during that day. But still yeah. without, like, adding on homework to the yeah. study yeah. pile. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And we try not to make it that something that they don't enjoy. Um, I think that a lot of the times we're trying to get them involved in planning these sessions. Mm-hmm. So some of them will stand up and explain it and explain what they have to do um, so that it is better that I'm not the one harping on it over and over again. <laughs> yes. that I, we try to get them to be the ones that are coming up with some ideas and they come up with really great ideas that I would never have even thought about. Uh, so it's, it's awesome to get them involved as well. That's a great idea. I am. Um... I started assigning once podcasts became kind of popular, I started assigning maybe once every couple of weeks, I'd find a really good podcast for them to listen to. So uh, the only requirement was for them to text me something that they got out of it. So it was amazing what kind of conversations were sparked from listening to maybe a 20 minute podcast um, on anything. And they really enjoy that. In fact, they've started getting to the point where now they'll send me podcasts like, coach, we got to listen to this one. This one's a great one. So anything that can help, I think the kids uh, understand, like you said, they learn differently. They think differently. Something speaks to them, um, you know, in a different way. And we found that's why we started podcasting because Mel and I both love podcasts and anything that we can do, you know, as well to help in in that forum is is why we do this as well. Absolutely. I think that the more that they start doing that and reaching out to you, the, the better because you know they're totally invested at that point. And that's really exciting. I love it when I get a text from somebody, even if it's just a video of a drill that they want to do. Nothing to do with mental game, but it shows that they're really invested and they're excited about something you're talking about. Oh, absolutely. Um, we've, we've even read books and, and I've had kids, same exact situation where they'll find a book and want to share it with the team or find a a YouTube video they want to share with the team. And I I think that's great because it also helps, you know, the culture, you know, especially that what the culture that we have at Madawan is, is that same type of environment. And I would, I'm really excited when the kids really go all in and buy in and and help teach the younger kids as well. Absolutely. That makes a big difference. 
you kind of mentioned earlier on about um, missing the how, uh, which we also, uh, you know, find that that's what we're trying to help with, right? Is is how do we get coaches to help their players by teaching them the how? So, can you think of any other things that might be missing from you know coaching the mental game, you know, besides that, or is that really it? Um, I think that definitely teaching the how, which is really hard because if you don't know the how, how do you teach the how? Um, so I think that that can be hard. And I, and I think that there's times that kids come in and, and I don't know the how, and we sit down and we search and we're going to find a book or we're going to find a video, or, uh, I'm going to find a phrase that maybe is different than the one I've been using, um, that might help her understand exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I think the how is big, but I also think that in general, um, youth levels of, of softball might not implement the sports psych aspect as much as it could. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that that's something that's a little bit lacking in the mental skills of seeing it at younger ages, because especially, especially now that little 10 U softball teams are playing in these big tournaments, I can only imagine how that's impacting them. Um, just knowing that they're in that tournament and um, the stress that they might put on themselves um, for being in that situation, you know. So I, I think that having it at younger ages is so important. I, I started giving lessons this summer to two separate nine-year-olds, um, and that has been an adventure. Uh, and just seeing the, the sports psych aspect that they need in the lessons, like just one-on-one lessons, you can see their head drop or... Uh, you see them get really nervous because they messed up or um, just implementing it at a young age without even using the term, um, I think can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Totally agree there. To go in that direction and bring it back to your original point of getting buy-in, how do you think coaches can get this buy-in with the mental game when they may be limited on and exactly what mental skill that kid needs or what they need to work on. How can the youth coaches, the coaches doing lessons with the younger girls or even all the way up through college like us, how can they get the buy-in? What are your best tips for that? Um, I think being passionate about what you talk about is really, really important. Um, so if you're talking about something small, right? So say if you only have one main mental game tip that you want to, uh, that you want to share with your team. If you're really passionate about it and you're excited about it and you make it really important. So it's something that stands out every day um, at practice or every day at games, or even in the heated moments during games that are really intense. If you're still emphasizing that one thing, you're going to get buy-in. Um, they're going to start seeing how important it is to you. They're going to start seeing that, how um, much you stress it and how, um, even in those difficult situations, if you're still staying true to that, um, they're going to start buying in. Uh, I think that that is really important. The more passionate you are about it and the more you emphasize and the more you stay true to that thing. Like I would say that it, out of everything, the one thing I say is to focus on what you do want. So, mm-hmm. and at the youth level, I think that if that was the only thing sports psych wise that people focused on only saying what they want. It's funny because we do camps. We just had a camp yesterday, actually. And I yeah, uh, saw that. Yay. No rain. 
Yes, yes. It was so exciting. It was supposed to, it was like 80% all day and we got to stay outside the whole camp. Yes, good. <laughs> um, and one of the stations that we do, it's a flips and feeds station. It's kind of like an infield station. Uh, and three of our girls worked the camp and worked that station with me. And every time in the beginning, they come over to me and I go, all right, what's my rule? And they said, all right, we can only tell them what we want them to do. And it's funny because they go to their station and they start saying what they're supposed to do. They say, all right, you want to do this. Don't. And then they look at me and they're like, I mean, do this. (laughs) I love it. Um, And so I start challenging them even at camp to only say what you want them to do. So many times kids are very aware of what they do wrong. They can very easily tell you, oh, yeah, I'm dipping. I do this. I do that. Okay, great. Well, what do you want to do? How do you want to change that? What should you be doing? They don't even know what they should be doing. Um, so how can they fix it if we're only pointing out what they do wrong? Um, so I think that that in and of itself is like a, a really important tip um, that makes a big difference for their. It just gets their wheels turning. You know, it's so funny. They say, I'm dipping. Okay. Yes, you are. You're right. What What should you do? And they look at you with their mouth open like I have no idea. Um <laughs> So I think that that makes a big difference um, in just the ability to improve physically, but then mentally understanding what they should be doing and focusing on the correct, um, focusing on what they want to happen uh, is really important. Oh, love that. And I love that you picked one thing. It's easy for us to want to pick a million things. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it is. And, And I think that each year, one of the things I do, and whether this is actually a mental game or not, some of it, I think everything you can tie back to the mental game. Um, but every year, especially with pitching catching, I try to pick one main focus and we build on it. So now I'm on like my fifth or sixth one. I think a few years I, I did two each year. Um, but now we kind of build on it. Right? First year was really communication. And they know every year my biggest thing is communication. Um, but then we're going to build on it. Next year we're going to really work on implementing uh pitching and catching drills that happen at the same time okay mm-hmm. now the next year we're gonna, so each year we have one main focus um and then we kind of add to it so your next year you have two next year you have three next year you have four um so that they can kind of get used to things slowly mm-hmm. not trying to put too much on them right away from the beginning is important totally agree thank you so much coach did you have anything else to add um i don't think so i i was Definitely excited about this. I could talk about mental game all the time. It, yes. it was really funny at one of our staff meetings. They were doing like a little bonding activity where we had to walk around. And one of the questions they asked was, what's something you could talk about for 40 minutes without preparing? <laughs> <laughs> this is it. And, and I said, sports like. And I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll prepare for sure. <laughs> but, uh, but anytime, I, I really do enjoy talking about mental toughness and sports psych and kind of the mental side of the game is always fun for me. Thank you so much. Actually, you're the fourth coach, I think, that has replied and and done this with, and each one shares that same passion, and I think that's what it comes out, you know, because every single coach that we got on instantly replied and was so excited to be on, and, you know, know, we're just starting this business, and we're just starting to actually try to get this out there, And, and for you to respond right away and be willing to share is awesome, so we can't thank you enough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for reaching out and uh, let me know if I can ever help again in the future. Awesome. Thank Thank you you. very much. 
And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us again on another episode. If you'd like to keep up with Emily and her team at Barry College, follow them on Twitter at Barry Softball, B-E-R-R-Y Softball. And don't forget to get your free critique to action PDF to start getting your players to reframe their language into something more positive at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash episode 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd truly appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes or on our site at mentalsweetspot.com forward slash reviews, or take a screenshot of what you're listening to and send us a shout out on social media. You can find us at Mental Sweet Spot on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Thank you again for joining us. We know you're super busy and we appreciate your time. Hope to see you again next week with another episode. Have a good one.